Um, but we're not using the video anyway, so it's just a way for you and me to talk to each other. So. Oh, great. This is all just going to be fucking all audio? Just audio. All Motherfucker. Just audio. I put on these <laughs> fake-ass eyelashes. Well, then I will use the video at all. Forget it. I put on a bra. For, no, we're recording, but it's still. I did, uh, use that for your fucking opening. You like, I'm ready to, ready to like go to the Oscars I for this thing. Come on. I for you. <laughs> I did, I put on, look at my fucking fake eyelashes. <laughs> Welcome to Hustle Up's The Big Break, where we talk to showrunners, directors, executives, and other talented people working in the entertainment industry about how they got their start and what they've done to fast forward their creative careers. I'm H. Schuster, the founder and CEO of Hustle Up, a professional network that connects creative talent with each other and with the entertainment companies that need to staff them. Today, I'm breaking it down with CEO of Game Changer Films, an accomplished producer and diversity advocate, Effie T. Brown, who is known for her work on The Inspection, Dear White People, Project Greenlight, Real Women Have Courage. And my favorite, the lesbian cult classic, but I'm a cheerleader. Join us for this episode of Hustle Ups, The Big Break. Longtime advocate for diversity and inclusion within the film industry, F.E.T. Brown is CEO and majority owner of Game Changer Films, which develops, produces, finances, content by and about women, people of color, LGBTQ people, and people with disabilities. Prior to Game Changer, F.E. produced Real Women Have Curves, Dear White People, Project Greenlight, and executive produced Lee Daniel Star on Fox and Disney Channel's Zombies. In 2021, Effie's Game Changer Films co-financed Netflix's Passing, directed by Rebecca Hall and starring Oscar nominee Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson. More recent projects include A24's The Inspection, starring Gabrielle Union and Jeremy Pope, and Amazon's Run, Sweetheart, Run. Effie is an active member of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Science, and served as the chair of the Academy Museum's Inclusion Advisory Committee. I'm super excited to talk about all the cool movies you've made and the state of diversity in our industry. Everybody, please welcome Effie T. Brown. Thank you so much for breaking it down with us today. We're nothing if not an applause track. I mean, there you go. I need it. I need that. I need all the love I can get. Um, I am super excited to talk to you. We just saw Elegance Bratton speak at the Outfest Fusion Festival where he won an award. What a talent. Um, the Inspection, an amazing film. Tell us about how you got involved in that movie. Oh, I love Elegance and his husband, Chester, who was my producing partner on the film. I always have to give love to producers because sometimes we are forgotten about. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um but you know what's so interesting? I apparently met Chester and Elegance in 2018 before the great, you know, closed door pandemic. Um, right. I was the getting, great the uh, great migration indoors. The great, as we exactly. Say. It was like I'm seen. Close the door. Yeah. Um, I met them at a. I was uh, at a film independent gala or award, and I remember meeting them. And I and it was so funny because like. And I'm not bougie at all, but it was funny because, like, literally Chester, I remember Chester coming up to me and being like, you're going to produce our movie, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, literally came for me. And you know what I mean? I'm not, like, fucking fancy. But, like, you know what people are like, you're going to produce my movie and you're going to, and I was like, okay, easy, Tiger. You know what I mean? And then I guess I met Elegance that same day. But what's even worse, I don't remember Elegance. I remember Chester. Because he and made truly, that he made that overture to you, he, right? I mean, this is an interesting moment, right? Like he came up yeah. and he made himself known to you, right? He, he did something where, like, I don't have like, and it's like 
young folks can do that. Like we're gonna, I'm, I'm grown, right? Do you know what I mean? But like, there's a weird, but like, like you're gonna do this for me. Like that sort of youth and enthusiasm and also just being fucking hustle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is hustle, you know what I mean? And anyway, so I met them in 2018, but it wasn't until 2020 when our, even I'm gonna say 2021, 2020, 2021 was one of my first meetings that I had when I took over Game Changer. Like folks, like I have like little good spies around town that are like, yo girl, you need to meet with these people, meet with these people, they're in town here. And I got like calls from people that are sort of disparate that were like, these cats are in town. You need to take a meeting with them because I think they're your, your, they are your kind of people. I met Elegance and Chester. I had them come into my office when I was working at a WeWork on Vine. And, um, <laughs> and I, you know, I met them. Like, you meet them. And I was like, you know, but I, was like, I was like, God, you look really familiar. And then I was like, oh, my God, I love you guys. And Elegance, like once you sit down and speak with Elegance, you're in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's that sort of talent. And you were like, and there's certain moments like I've worked I've had the pleasure of working with a few filmmakers when you're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, you have that thing. You have that thing. Is it the passion? Is it the vision? Is it a combination? Talent. It's passion, vision. But a lot of people have passion. A lot of people have vision. But but the passion, vision, along with talent. Yeah. And along with, I call it like the gift. Do you know what I mean? Like this is something that Elegance is going to do no matter what, with or without me. His story is brilliant. He's lived. He's been through some shit. He's also, what I really loved about him is that he was a Marine. You know, yeah. I love the fact that like, this is somebody that story. I you will be ride or die. There's a certain thing. I'm an army brat, even though me and him get in arguments over army versus Marine. But like, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> like, I know that like, when I'm like, we need to take this hill, we need to like, everybody put on our big girl panties and move forward, right? You know what I mean? He'll know yeah. how to do that. You know what I mean? And like, leave all the beef to the end. Anyway, but this is a super long-winded story. Met with them and they came into my office. I loved them like an old soul record. And I literally was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I knew the tables had turned because I didn't even remember that I met them before. I was yeah. like, how can I get on this movie? This is my movie. This is the one that I would bring to my new investors and be like, this is what we're going to take our first shot on. A24 wasn't in yet. Nobody was in. And a matter of fact, Chester and Elegance, they had a lot of people working for them. of like, they're really the best that they were meeting with other production companies and financiers. And right. I was like feeling like, you know, um, Tina Turner in a Thunderdome where I'm like, two men enter, one man leave. Cause I was like this, I'm like, I will say all those other fucking companies to make sure that I'm a part of it. So that's it. That's, I mean, that's a great analogy. That, that's a great analogy of what producers do. It's literally Tina Turner in the Thunderdome, right? Like, like you are. great hair, yeah. You don't need another hero. Yes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do know what you're saying. I mean, should I do karaoke? No. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. should. That's actually the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, this actually raises a a really interesting question, which is what do you look for in a project? Is it about the people? Is it about the script? Is it about the vision? Like, what is it when you are brought something as a producer? What are are the top things that you're looking for? You know, here's the thing. Like, what, what I there's always been a constant right in my career from like literally from working on, but I'm a cheerleader. Andrea Sperling was a producer of that movie. And she gave me, you know, she actually gave me a start, my start along with like a woman named Lori Parker. Um, But I'm always looking for movies that are a little left of center, a little fucked up little ditties. Do you know what I mean? That featured people (laughs) that were like women, people of color, LGBTQ people, disability. I mean, I've all disability. Like I've been, if anything, if you look over my entire film career, 
it's super consistent. Yeah. It always features, and when I say us, I'm meaning like the folks that are like not a part of the quote unquote dominant culture, even yeah. though that's changing now, like being like, what is dominant culture? Because we are dominant culture. Do you that's know right. what I mean? Like, I'm like, I do. We're, like <laughs> back in the day, you know what I mean? Like back in the day, it was like, I'm doing, I was so happy to be like working with Cheryl Dunier, like doing yeah. like, you know, stranger inside where women have curves, like, and love, but I'm a cheerleader. See, I got on a fucking rant and I totally forgot what you asked me. See, no, I mean, happened. this is interesting, right? You've been, you've been working in, <laughs> you've been working in features since, since the nineties, since you graduated, what, Loyola Marymount, right? Where do you think, where do you think the feature business is headed in terms of telling diverse and inclusive stories? I mean, are we going in the right direction? This is where I think we're going to take, I don't want to be negative and I'm a can do sort of person, but I'm also someone, I'm grateful that I'm 51 years old, going to be 52, and I've been able to have a career. I've never yeah. done anything other than producing. Super grateful. Yeah. Do And I've seen some shit. Like, you've seen some things, right? You know what I mean? So yep. I will say, I will say that we are currently in a, and I call it a black lash. And I mean that for all of us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of us who identified as other are diverse or inclusive. I think in my opinion, I think people are tired of hearing about it. And I think people are like, ugh, we're already doing it already. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I right. think yeah. so that's where I'm starting to see like, oh, like all the Latino like TV shows are being canceled. You see yep. like certain things of being like, oh, like where I, I feel, and this is a feeling, not a fact, and I'd love to talk to you about it, where I'm like, I think people are, we're really doing a big push, like pre-pandemic, pandemic, and then I think, you know, people are like, who are used to being at the table and having a say at the table are over it. I think that they yeah. are like, you know what, we've let enough in. You know what? I, I have a solution. I have a solution. I think that every film that we do for the next 12 to 18 months uh, everybody who works on it and everybody in front of the camera should just be a drag queen of color. And then, and then we're good. We, we just, we, 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 we just flood the world. We just flood the world. The uh, no, I, I think this is, this is really interesting because I wonder the degree to which you think this coincides with the economics of the business as well, where tent poles have become the only, uh, model for studios, right? I've talked to, to a few other folks in the business about this recently also. I mean, we have a business now where it's harder and harder to get a mid-budget movie made. Um, and, you know, a lot of the stories that we're telling that are diverse and inclusive uh, tend to be movies at that price point, right? Would you, is that, do you think that's accurate or, or is that a-, a I little... do, I really do. And that's what I'm saying. I don't want to be negative, but I'm just saying, I'm like, I think we're, we're about to hit another battle, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the inspection- yeah. I love it. And I know I'm speaking amongst our own. We were critically acclaimed. We didn't do really great at the box office. People really didn't. You know what I mean? Like, who's yeah. actually coming to yeah. these movies? And, like, we were a little movie, right? Um, yeah. And I think that, like, you know, mid-level movies, are, which is, like, what, like, 30? We're talking about those. Like, I'm still, like, you know, my sweet spot is in the, like, 2 to, like, 15. Like, I love those yeah. movies. Those are the movies. They're my little ones. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's make it happen. And doing That's TV. Right. I think it's a new world order and ten, and here's the thing too. And this is where I just want to say, like, I think that we're like, I'm going to say we're entering into like a game of Thrones sort of time, but it's like, everybody's getting it. Yeah. Everybody is. It really doesn't matter what color you are anymore. Like, you know what I mean? What color, gender, whatever sexuality, 
this whole business is effect is getting like is rocking everybody. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like all the layoffs, all the things. And I have to say, like, either we're going to go back to like an old contract system like they were with studios, studio system. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And don't get it twisted. Like I'm making an overall like I'm right now shucking and jiving for an overall deal right now. Don't get it twisted. Like I'm seeing the writing on the wall where I'm like, yeah. I have my own financing. I have my own overhead but I need to go under like a big daddy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That can yeah. be like, can yeah. you distribute? Can you do this? It's, it's, it's real. It's real. And I feel that like, and also people are very much, um, you know, I think, I don't think people, I think people now are looking for safer bets, right? Yes. Like, and what's yeah. safe. And like, and I think nowadays, I and mean, also I feel that like, what is, um, I, I, I think right now, and this is something I mean, I'll ask you, I think, I mean, tentpole movies right now without a person of color, like that is like, I don't see that happening anymore. Right. Do you know what I mean? I think there will be that the white dude will be like the lead most likely, you know what right, I mean? Right. But like, they'll, they'll like have like a Bennington ad, their cast of characters, like POC, that one's a lesbian, that one's in a wheelchair. Like they'll sort of pepper us in a little bit. Well, this, this is, is apropos the, the Barbie movie, right? The Barbie movie just uh, released Shut their, up. their, their marketing on social this morning. I'm going to date no. on a podcast now. Oh my God, uh, and everything. it's, it's a, it's a rainbow effect, right? Like it's, it's, it's diverse in every, every way. Way, right the lead is of course uh, a, a white woman a white but woman. you know right i'm like this uh, and blonde haired and blue eyed like the white woman yeah i got it uh um, and look, and, and that's not to ding the Barbie movie. I, I'm actually really curious to see what uh, really Greta Gerwig does with that's, that story. I yeah, say, and, like, I know. Wait, but that's the thing. Like, Greta Gerwig, sorry, I don't feel like Greta But like, that's dope. If it was done by yeah. like somebody else, I'd be like, yeah. that sister's going to do, she's not a sister, but you know what I mean? Like sister, like woman, sister. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that would be interesting. Like her perspective or her view on it. I have hopes. I yeah. have high hopes. Yeah, me too. I think you're right, though. I think what's interesting is is that the economic argument is always going to win in any big uh, conglomerate business. And, uh, you know, most of the studios and streamers who have diversified businesses, um, they they really care about Wall Street and they care about their investors. And what they've come to realize is, is that when you open a, a blockbuster tentpole movie with diverse casting, with inclusive casting, that you capture a larger share of, of box office. Office, right that more people go to the movie and that's that's just economics driving that right that's not even uh, a, a a rainbow uh politic right and so right. um i think it's interesting to see how that will though make it harder maybe for other stories in that mid-tier and even the 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 indie sort of budget tier um get yeah. told right i don't know if i think about creed Right. And here's the yeah. thing. I think that our yeah. perception these days of like, what is mid budget? What is low budget? What is, you know, a tent pole is like a gajillion dollars, but like Black Adam, like, right. I, you know, I love those sorts of movies, but like that was super yeah. multi-culty and didn't quite, I, they said didn't make money, but like, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Neither don't did Ant-Man, right? Ant-Man didn't make right? money you either. Know what I mean? So, like, you know, you know what I mean? You start having those moments. Yeah. You want to yeah, think that's that like good movies, good, good movies will be seen, but I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's, is that like a really in-depth conversation for me, but like, I don't know. I just know that the economics of the situation that people are like, look, we need to have more sure bets. We need to make sure. I mean, the real thing is what is star driven. That's big. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, like big. getting asses in seats. Like, 
who's in it, you know, like what kind of a movie. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's the thing where even like now where people who are like me, like producers are like, well, how do we keep doing the craft that we keep doing? And a lot of it's like, you have to attach yourself to a piece of talent, right? Like, and get those pod deals and things of that nature. I I don't have that. I don't know if I really want that per se, but like, I like being able to date, you know what I mean? And I'm fine doing my little low budget fiefdom. Do you know what I mean? I've never made a lot of money, so I don't know what it's like. I've been like, I never made that creed money. I never made, like, also, like, being poor, like, oh, it helps. Like, oh, I can afford a pair of shoes and some Uber Eats. I'm okay. There you go. Hey. There you go. Uber Eats is, is not cheap. Um, so tell me, tell True us a little that. bit about the Game Changer films. Tell us about the mission. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, how you came to uh, to run it and, and what's coming up for you guys. Well, here's, I am in love with Game Changer Films. Game Changer Films was started in 2013 by a badass producer named Manette Louie. And she is great. And you should, if you don't know her, you really should know her. Um, so she ran Game Changer Films, and it was more of a fund for female filmmakers, right? And then the fund, you know, wound down. And then the founders, like Gerilyn Dreyfus, Wendy um, Ettinger, Dan Kogan, they were the founders of Game Changer and they were looking to re-up it. And yeah. so I, you know, hustled for it. I was like, hey, you know what I mean? Because I wanted to, what was exciting about Game Changer is that they had their own funding. Yeah. I have always been someone that has been used like a bit of a tool um, by the studios, like to come in like, oh, Effie, you don't have enough money. You don't have that. Bring her in. She'll get everything into shape. And that was sort of my MO. I did it for HBO. I've done it for like quite a few studios and such right so like I wanted to be able to write the check I wanted to be able to like write the check and what I really wanted to do is I wanted to when I went to them and I said hey stop you know segregating people off right like women like what about black women what about gay women what about women with a disability you know what about like men why are we all of a sudden like you have a penis get out of here you know what I mean like (laughs) what are we you know you had this thing you're like what about those people who don't identify Right? right? Like, what are folks who are like non-binary? You know, and I was like, let's stop ghettoizing ourselves, right? You know, because yeah. literally, and also a lot, and I will admit that what Game Changer did prior was a lot white women. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot, we weren't really included. So I said, so why don't we make it for women, people of color, LGBTQ+, and people with disability in front of and behind the scenes? And literally be like, you can't, like, the, our real, you know, our saying is, you can't make something about us without us. And what is so great yeah. about Game Changer, and I'm so excited to be a part of it, is if some, I who I who we're making movies for is who is in our company, right? You know what I mean. So like That's whoever awesome. is coming yeah. in and pitching, like okay, okay, it's like we're black people, and I'm like, sis, I'm black. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't have to explain yeah. your worth or like your shit right. to me, or like someone being like, okay, so I'm this, and be like, yeah. So-and-so is that too. Like there's a different sort of understanding that can come in and to be like, so tell me your story. You don't have to like valid. You don't have to spend the first half of your pitch justifying your existence and explaining why people Uh, don't care, right? Exactly. Like no white, straight white men will care about this and be like, like, (laughs) I love a white man. Don't get it twisted. But I'm like, not everything's a black man. Right. You know what I mean? Like we can go to the movies, we can go do something. So that's what, you know, game changer has really been about. You can't make something about us without it. We finance. We produce, we develop, 
Um, and we also, you know, do can do production services. So that's what we do. Yeah. And so far, like I've been a part of, like, I took over, I did the big speech at Sundance for the producers union of a produce. I'm a part of the producers union. We'll talk about that for the producers, you yeah. know, um, section of Sundance. And then the world shut down fucking two yep. months later. Right. And yep. I was like, this was supposed to be my mogul dumb. I was supposed, and they, yeah. the world was like, um, you're going to learn how to bake bread and maybe quilt and sit down <laughs> for the next three years. So I was like, okay. So we wound up doing like, um, there's a, um, a movie called the sniper's daughter that we did with Orla George. That's still about to come out. Um, we did, you know, run sweetheart run with Amazon. We did the inspection, you know, we've done, we find it, we put money into passing, but passing was Nina Yang Bon Jovi's movie. She was just yeah. kind enough to let us, you're like you need a hit come on in we're like yes so she let us come in and you know yeah. let us finance you know help finance it um so yeah so that's what we're able to do in that little bit of that short amount of time and now we're in a different place where you know we're doing a uh, anyway we have quite a few projects that we're doing now plus um you know i, have, I can't really talk about it yet but hopefully yeah. i'll be able to talk about it soon but like it's awesome like we're that's great low-key killing it like the world is shutting down like in this industry but i think it's also sort of I've been scrappy for so long that I know yeah. how to make a meal out of crumbs for good or for ill. Like I'm not happy. Well, about I mean, that's, that's sort of an less, interesting but... part of producing, right? Producing, no matter what level you're at is about a hustle, right? It's about a hustle for financing or a hustle for distribution or a hustle for great material. Or, I mean, every step of the way is, is, uh, is Thunderdome, right? Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. We just, as we silently all sigh, we all just <laughs> A long lull. We're like this. We're like this. We're like, is this for the rest mm, of my life? I'm like, I want to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, but but when did you know you wanted to be a producer? Like, let's let's go back in time. Obviously, the name of the podcast is uh, is Hustle Up's The Big Break, uh, and so I have to ask, when when did you realize you wanted to be a producer? And what was your kind of your big break moment into the industry you mentioned, but I'm a cheerleader, which of course uh, my well, wife Vanessa yeah. is going to insist I talk to you about. So, yeah. oh no, I love that. That's literally one of my favorite movies, and I've done quite a few, but like that is one that has sort of um, I call them my deathbed movies, and I talk about this a lot. Like on my deathbed, I'll be like, I am glad I participated in this, this, and this, and that movie that. is one of them. Do you know what I, I mean? That. And that's a yeah. very special movie. Like we all still see each other. Like Joel, like we all are like, it's so, anyway, it was so crazy. The shit that happened on that movie. Ooh, do tell no us, tell us a good, profit. tell no us a good, but I'm a cheerleader profit. story. <laughs> no, it was so hilarious. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, I mean, like we remember like painting sets and like the whole set blew away in the wind. Like it was just, and we had to redo, and we're like, well, we're shooting that tomorrow. And they're like, the wind just took it away. Like it was just so crazy. It was like That's Kathy nuts. Moriarty and Bud Court and Mink Stoll and Eddie Sieber. It was so such good. an amazing cast. Such an anyway, amazing so anyway, cast. So like I don't know where I was, but like I, you know, I, I'm I'm really like those are the movies that I I love. But my big break, I want to say, and I have to give love to, is um, I got my start really from Film Independent when they had Project Involved, and yeah. I remember being in college and I was like, oh shit. I'm a senior at Loyola Marymount. I don't have any family in the business. I don't have anything. I'm black. I'm a woman. And this was in 93. You know what I mean? Things are yeah. different now. Hopefully, please, sweet Maybe. baby, baby Jesus. Maybe. You know what I mean? Sweet baby Jesus. At least you can point to people. Do you know what I mean? Right. I didn't, That's right. I mean, there are people I was, in the industry. I, yeah. I was like, 
who's doing what I'm doing? Everybody, I'm like, what's going on? Like maybe Deborah Martin Chase, but I didn't inquire Suzanne to pass, but I didn't know, you know, and I went into Project Involve um, from Film Independent and literally got connected with my mentor and still a friend to this day, Lori Parker, who used to be Gus Van Sant's producer that gave me my first job on a film called Rough Magic with Russell Crowe and uh, Bridget Fonda, I want to say. And um, and she taught me how to make movies and how to be a wow. producer, how to be an ethical producer. And she was the one, I yeah. tell this story a lot, but literally was, you know, I talked a good game. I was like, you know, right now I'm tired and old, but then I was like, I'm going to be the shit. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> My career is going to be like Jerry Bruckheimer and Oprah Winfrey's if they had a baby. That's what my career is going to look like. <laughs> and I still want my career to look like that. And I'm still we all do. Like, I mean, honestly, you wouldn't want to be I'm that like, baby. Oh, I mean, I know, really, I'm like, if Oprah Winfrey and Jerry Bruckheimer's career had a baby, like that is like that. Those are my goals. And she was lovely. And she like laughed and listened to me. And she said, look, I'm going to give you a start. She's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you because I believe that you're going to make it. But here's the lie that they tell us. Like, I'm going to help you get to the top. And, but when you get to the top, you're going to look to the left and to the right of you. And you're going to see that there was more room for all, more of us. Right. Like, yeah. cause they tell mm -hmm. us that only one can make it. Yeah. She's all like, so your job, like I'm doing, I'm going to lift you up. You have to go back and lift somebody else up because there's room for more of us. Yeah. And that's something, a lesson that I took to heart and obviously, hi, I'm doing game changer. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I got that lesson when I was maybe 21. And now that like, now it's my mission. Mm -hmm. No, that, I mean, I guess how important it, so that fellowship really changed your, your world, your it changed life. My how, life because, how important do you think fellowships and mentoring programs are to really, you know, democratize well, access? Here's what Lori did. She gave me a job. Yeah. I didn't need someone talking at me. She gave me a check. She yeah. hired me. That's where I go to people like, stop. Like, this is a lab or we're doing a shadow thing. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that because you shouldn't have to do a lab. You shouldn't have yep. to do a shadow. Like, I'm not going to be grateful for you doing that because we should have been hired to begin with. Right. Do you right. know what I mean? We should have had a path to production. But what we do need this is like when they do like for diversity and inclusion. Right. But what I did say is I was like, you know what Lori did that I like to do because we have Game Changer nonprofit where we're doing exactly, you know, what she was talking about, which was. I'm like, look, we're going to get people and we are going to give them money and have them work on films. So they will yeah. have a credit. They will have on the job training and yep. they'll be able to share, you know, like, you know, in the end when the movie or what have you makes money. But that that's the sort of mentorship and apprenticeship that we need. I, I feel that like, you know, you can get an education by like how to do something and that, but there's a lot of people that need to implement it. And we don't have the, a lot of times there's a barrier to access and resources. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, if it's a mentorship that like, Hey, you're going to go through this and we're going to give you an episode. Great. Yeah. Do you know what and I mean? Because so many of these programs have a real glass ceiling, right? You go through for free or you go glass. through, you know, and you, you're given like you're a stipend maybe, like, and you're still gonna... coming out of it looking for your first job and you're I still mean, coming out of it. you got a stipend. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like, that's great if you even get a stipend. And I'm not, but also when I was going before about like the great backlash of like a lot of those, a lot of those labs and programs are being shut down. That's and right. Even hearing about it. Right. Cause they're like, sorry, we're tightening the seat. And those are the first things that go. 
Well, Warner Brothers so we, had that weird we, moment we, where they announced that they were shutting down that? their, and, and then they backtracked, right? Uh, and I, I think, though, you know, some not- of those programs are also creating an artificial glass ceiling because you come in as a paid uh, staff writer or, you know, uh, w- one line on a budget out of those programs, and then you can't move up the ranks because of the, you know, well, you're the diversity hire, right? And we're only going to make one, right? This is the looking to the left and looking to the right. Like, we're only going to have one diversity hire and it's going to be the one the studio pays for. Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's interesting because what you're talking about is um, you know, actually having somebody who says, I'm going to give you a job, you're going to upskill in that job, you're going to learn how to do something for a paycheck, and you're going to also have a credit and have relationships and, and be able to actually work. Right. Because you need, I mean, like, I remember when I was coming up, you need that job. You need, yeah. like, will someone give me a shot? And there's like you like I there's unions that are like sorry you know whatever but to be like on my little movie like one thing we're gonna I'll be able to talk about more in depth later but like I love little genre movies yeah. love them I love yeah. them who doesn't make and it's like if you can't make if you're doing a two million dollar little horror movie come on that's where you cut your teeth <laughs> right you know what I mean to be like yep. this is what it looks like people like it's like film camp a little bit but like we're doing it and that's where I I love because my thing is. I'm making a lot of movies, right? And so for me, where I'm like, look, you're gonna go through our nonprofit program, right? So like, you know, and then I'll be able to see like, oh, out of the 20 people that we brought on for these last few films, these five are stars. I'm able to take those stars and be like, great, now go do these movies, go. Because you've already been trained in how to make a movie the way the game changer way, right? You yeah. know what I mean. Which is like, well, inclusive. also those people are then really committed to the vision of game changer and want to stay and make movies, right? It's hard to uh, freelance talent. You know, it's hard to cultivate the relationship and the investment where they want to continue to work on your projects over and over again, right? And and you're building yeah. a relationship, a long term, uh, a, a community of talent that appreciates. Um, what Game Changer does, right? Yep, that's the idea. What um, what do you think is the best piece of career advice that you've ever gotten? Like, was it was it from your earliest mentors, or was it later in your career when you were trying to figure something out? I don't know. There, I've gotten quite a few great pieces, you know, a, a few pieces of advice. You know, I mean, the one that literally, and I and I know because like what I feel, and this is a question for you, I guess. A lot of people give a lot of advice to people who are on the come up, who are just starting out, you know, but I feel that like, and I love the youngins, God bless them. But, you know, I feel that I probably got my best advice when I was making that transition from like loner producer to being like, you're now going to own a company. You're going to have to hire people. You're going to have to be a boss and like, well, that, and then, and also my identity was so into like underdog and like fighting against the man and all of that. And then someone, and I think it was, well, what was so interesting, it wasn't even maybe advice, a couple pieces, like Ted Mundorf, who I fucking love. um, um, He literally laughed at me one day. We were on the board, I was on the board of Film Independent. He laughed at me because I was like saying something like, fight the power. And he goes like, Effie, what are you talking about? You are a veteran now. (laughs) Like literally like blew my fucking mind. You are the power. about like why are you acting like you have this to that to this like you're the man now and I was literally like (gasps) like, (laughs) my ever-loving pearls because he laughed and he goes like he's like you're the man like you're the one who's doing that you know and then so that was one and it was great because that was a bit of like I had to 
right size myself and be like, oh, yeah. shit, right. Like, I have been at this since I was a baby, and now yeah. I'm a grown-ass woman. The other thing came from a cat named Steve Moscow, who's the CEO of, like, Village Roadshow. And he was like, here's some advice to you, Effie. And I loved it. Straight white guy looked at me and said, don't feel like an imposter. He goes, like, nobody gives a shit how you got here, what mm -hmm. you had to do to get here. You are here now. That's it. You are at the table. Be at the table. Move forward. Because, and I was like, and it was like really like, oh, because my thing, I was always having that moment of like, what's my role at this table? Do I have to be aggressive and fight the people at the table because they kept me out? And they're like, bitch, you here, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're at the table with us. Like, here's the food. Like, we were, are we all, we're all at the same table together. And then I was like, pass oh, the peas. <laughs> pass the peas. Do you know what I mean? And I had this moment where I was like, oh, I'm in a different position now where I can get more shit done yes. because I am at the table and being able to work with the people that and you were recognize like sort your of, power. And that was big because I have to tell you, my identity was really wrapped up into fighting the power. Yeah. And I wrapped into the struggle. Like right. I knew how to fight. I know how to struggle. I yeah. know how to get what's my, but after a while you're like, you know what? You're pretty effective. You fought, you struggled. <laughs> You did it. You've been around a long time. Like there's not that many producers that can build something from the ground up. You yep. have a reputation. You have like, you know, credits like on films that matter. Like I'm sort of like, oh, shit. Huh. Like now it's my yeah. job of building. I call it legacy. Right. Yeah. My deathbed movies. My thing is like looking around and being like, I love me. I have a healthy self-esteem. But you know what I really want to do? I want to have a bunch of people that have more energy than me. <laughs> that have better taste than me. Like, and I'm doing with this climate justice doc, like I hired someone that is smarter than me, that has more energy than me. And he just needs to be like, well, somebody just tell me how this sort of machine works. And I'm right. like, oh yes, Padawan. I will absolutely. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? That's what I'm looking for and bringing him in to the business. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's about now. So you interesting, know, those me. two pieces of advice that you got <clears throat> are actually really inextricably linked, right? Because yes. this notion yes. that you you get to a certain point in your career where you do have the seat at the table, and I think so many people who are other, right, who are, are diverse, I know I've experienced this, I've right? talked about it before, you sit at the table and you don't feel like you deserve the power, you don't, you feel like someone's about to take it away, you feel like, every, and, and this may sometimes be the case that other people at the table are looking at you like you don't deserve the power, right, but that's up to yes. you to, to, to manage that, yes. right, um, because yes. you, you do deserve it, you have earned it, you've been given the seat or you've, you've, you've fought for the seat, earned the, um, for earned the seat, the seat. Yep. Um, and and so you know, I think this imposter syndrome, you know, it gets talked about a lot now in like you know Fast Company magazine, but like uh, it's real, you know, uh, it is very real for people who also feel like I'm the one person who looks like me, sounds like me, is me at this table, right? Um, I'm now representing all the LGBTQ people in the room, or all the black people oh, in the room, or whatever it is, 100%. right? And and yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's this intensity that really undermines things. I mean, I'm really curious, you know, this comes back to your, your, your deathbed movies, you know, for example, you produced your white people. How did you get involved in that film? And, and, you know, it obviously went to Sundance. It obviously was a huge movie. Um, you know, how did you get involved in that film? And, and, you know, why was it important for you in terms of a, a, well, a project? 
You know, I mean, the more, the further away that I get from Dear White People, the more precious that movie becomes to me. Um, not so much because of the content and the movie itself, but the experience and the experiences that surrounded it yeah. for good and for ill, right? So, but getting into this movie, again, it was undeniable that Justin Simeon had it. Like, I don't know why God puts me in the room where, like, I see, you know what I mean? Where I could, like, admit there's any sort of, like, spidey sense or producer super skill that I have is that I'm able to be like, ooh, you got it! You know what I mean? And also (laughs) putting together a functional, dysfunctional family that is a crew. I'm really good at that, right? Yeah. And Justin, like, literally came to me, and it was through Stephanie Elaine. And, and I'm, uh, I can't put like, on her assistant's name at the time, but like, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. She's great. She's her own, pro- she's a producer now herself. Um, awesome. Brought it to me, you know, like this trailer that was going around that was so good. It looked like a full movie, but it wasn't. It was yeah. a trailer for a movie that was getting financing for. And it was great because it was literally about being the lonely only, right? And that's something, you know, that, you know, Justin being a queer, you know, a queer man of color, you know, going up in like these sort of academic situations, right? And trying to navigate this world of yeah. well-meaning liberals, right? You know what I mean? Like, who are frightening. I will just be really real about that. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I I weirdly know how to deal with a racist conservative better than I know how to deal with like sort of a a well-meaning liberal person that like doesn't know that they're hurting right you know what i mean that they're like hurt or has a level of paternalism right this sort of paternalistic like i want to be helpful right and the white savior is real like you know what i mean and it's it's all really real and that's the sort of world of being like whoa i need you but like you don't own me or you're trying to own this okay that's a whole different subject but anyway but that was dear white people i know but, like, so but I think it comes, it comes back to being at the table and, and that imposter syndrome, right? Because the movie in some ways is about like dealing with the well-meaning people as well as exactly. the, the, the being, you like, know. Exactly, and being like trying to navigate of like what is happening right now, a thousand percent. But yeah, but I love that. Like that was a real, that was such a smart movie and so well-written, so well-written. And so what was it like to get it into Sundance? And I'm curious, like, how you feel like the festival circuit, specifically, you know, Sundance and, and, and TIFF and South By and some of the, you know, the bigger festivals, like, what's it like for material that is, you know, telling inclusive and diverse stories? Here's the thing. And this is, again, I want someone to prove me wrong. And remember, like, Dear White People was, what, 2016? When was Dear yeah, White 2016, People? 2016, 2017, somewhere, right? somewhere in there. Yeah, like right around there. Like that was a minute ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And like that was where we could go someplace, show it, and then sell it, right? Do you know what I mean? We made that deal there, right? Yeah. And uh, But if we know, and it was, wasn't easy. That's getting, that's getting harder to do, or it's not happening as it's often. It's getting taken happening. off the table before, right? It's getting off the table before, but also like I'm heartbroken. Like I went to Sundance this year. And there's quite a few films that like one did stuff, got critical, still haven't sold. So you're like, yeah, it was and, a, but a lot year. of those places is rough, right? Yeah. But all but film festivals are places you can see diverse talent, new talent, and all of that. Yeah. But you're like, oh, when you're like, can you please just pay me back my budget plus a little bit for my investors? And they're like, Mm-mm, I'm going to give you thirty thousand dollars, and we're going to be partners. And then you just sort of have this moment of like, oh my god, like I'm never we all just lost money and like 
we're financial model is not sustainable, right? It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. So, but I, but that's what I'm saying. So festivals are a place where you can get and see something and maybe you're that one in a million that can sell something. But like, I love like passing, for example, you know, we did really well, right? All because of Nina Yang Bon Jovi. But I will tell you, and you should have her on your show because if she will go into detail love of like yeah, we would love the hustle that it took to get that deal. And she was like, I got that by the skin of my teeth. She's That's all like, amazing. I don't know it's going to happen again. Like, she's like, oh my God. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, ooh. And like, Nina's a fucking boss, right? You know what I mean? Yep. Like, she doesn't fail. She's a boss. Um, but it's becoming harder and harder where we used to be like, I don't know, do we do festival movies? Which is why going under the contract system yeah. where I'm looking for, where I'm like finalizing or, you know, whatever this overall, because I'm like, I need a home. I need a place that I can tell my investors, we're not going to wait for a miracle at Sundance, even though every movie that I've made it has gone into Sundance and has won Sundance and whatever. You know what I mean? It's always that one, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> that you're like, that's the story, though. That's the, but, but this is important because a lot of this, too, is about narratives, right? And so um, you always get the narrative of the one film that, you know, did this crazy, you know, uh, acquisition, you know, uh, purchase yeah. number, right? Like such and such got purchased for a ton of money at Sundance this year. And, and, you know, it becomes sort of this standout story about what can happen at a film festival. But it is, it's the exception or it's the anomaly, right? Or at least these days I agree. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like... I want things to get better. I mean, people talk about theatrical, you know what I mean? And how I feel about theatrical is not popular, even as a producer. Like yeah. people are mad at me where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like w w going out of my house to go to the theater to see a movie. That's like, do you know what I mean? With yeah. the, I can, I, I would only go and see those big tent pole movies. Yep. Do you yep. know what I mean? Like now, like, because I think about it, I'm like, I think that people have studios sort of set up in their houses. Like the TVs yeah. are big, their sound system. You know what I mean? They can yeah. be at home. They don't have to get a babysitter for the kid. They could do, you know what I mean? Like, And just kids, kids are not going, right? Like we have a teenager. She and her, her boyfriend went to see Creed. They were really excited that her, her boyfriend Harbor loves Creed. That's his thing. Uh, but, you know, um, uh, that's like the only movie they've seen in like six months or, you know, maybe longer. I know. It's, it's, I agree. It's interesting. That's where I'm like, I'm like, what is a movie that I would get off my ass for and go and see? Yeah. And I have to say, like, if, if I had a movie that was super close by, like I loved Cocaine Bear. Granted, yeah. I am sober 16 years because I loved cocaine. But like, you know what I mean? I was like, I don't know if I'm the right person because I love the cocaine. And I was like, oh, I was just like, remember that? But remember like remember when sober, we used to right? tear up the woods like the bear? I know, remember that? Like, ah, like Scarface. Oh, that'd be amazing. And now that I'm 51 and I'm like, and sober, and be like, well, pulling it together. Here you are. No That's more. hilarious. But, like, but, I that, think about but that, that movie is like, really interesting because, you know, the, the, the screenwriter and, and, and Elizabeth Banks as well, uh, you know, they've talked about the fact that, like, they wanted to make a movie that was really, like, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, loud, I guess, for lack of a better word, right? And that's probably the only way that movie has gotten as much attention as it has is because they really broke a lot of conventions and, and had some fun with it. They they took some risks. I, and, that, and I thought she did a great job. Like, I'm really... like. I am excited. Like I'm literally going yeah. like the movies that I'm doing now where I'm like, I don't, I need to, as a, as a responsible producer, I need to make films that can work theatrical and also streamer yeah. and also tell my directors to be like, 
do you want five people to see your movie or do you want 500,000 <laughs> people to see your movie? Yeah. And I'm like, but how we make money from that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the buyouts yeah. and all the streamers, it's a different sort of, you know, a different sort of model. But I'll say like, I loved the inspection. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. It was a great fucking movie. Everyone said it was like a top 10 list all the way down. Yeah. Like no one, like not no one, but like quite like it didn't show yeah. up. It didn't show up at the theater. You yeah. know? Yeah. I'm curious, like you, um, you've obviously also been on the executive side. One of your first jobs was working, I believe at Tim Burton's company, right? As like a yeah, director of development. Executive. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Did you go straight from the fellowship at film independent into that role or were I there went, some other, I was working with Lori Parker and okay. Lori Parker. And this is like, this, I'm going to date myself. This is when she was doing Mars Attacks. Remember that movie, the Tim Burton I movie, do. Mars Attack. So we did that. And then I remember bringing in Sweeney Todd. I remember yeah. that if I'm not lying, I remember getting that. And then, um, and there's a movie that should be made, but I'm actually not going to say in case someone has a better idea. I like someone gets the movie, but like, I, <laughs> I love that. But remember I was a baby Yeah. and Lori brought me from college to film independent and she bought me along and that's how I got real talk. That's how I got the job as director of development for Tim Burton. Tim Burton wouldn't remember me right now if I like literally <laughs> ran and t- like, you know, slapped him in the face on the street. He'd be like, who are you black lady? He would not know. Like, but literally, like, but that's the sort of beauty of like, and why it's so important to make these connections in Hollywood because yeah. Lori Parker got me on the movie. She was like, oh, she's so funny. I'll keep her. And then we went to like, you know, we were at, we were at Warner Hollywood yep, and we worked there and it was great. Do you know what I mean? I had a really great time, but it also, I remember realizing um, I wasn't a development person because there's a whole yeah. lot of politicking. Like I like people, yeah. but I like to be like by myself a lot more. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, and a yeah. lot of like the development gig is like meeting and talking and slapping palms and talking to agents and managers and all of that where I'm like a lot of packaging 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 yeah you know but not even back then because we were Tim Burton right do you know what I mean they knew like we got like the creme de la creme but what's also was interesting was my biggest lesson there that I realized like oh just because you are at like one of the major agencies and famous writer doesn't necessarily mean you're a good writer there were so many writers I would be that's how green I was I would take people that weren't represented I would have them f- sign a, um, a release. What do you call those? Like the release, right? And I would, and I'd be like, sure, I'll read it. And people are like, oh my God, she's fucking reading. And some of the best scripts, like there's a guy <laughs> named, I'm going to give him a shout out. I don't know if he's still around, named Rob McDaniel, wrote a film called The San Diego Diet, not the one that was on Netflix, that I still think about to this day. Wow. And he was unrepresented, whatever. And I was like, this guy has it. He is a star, but wow. because like he never able to get like now I could help him pull it together. But I remember being like, just because you famous and you have like a, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. big agency behind you. All right, Rob, if you're out there, to... Effie's ready to help you with the San Diego. Diet. I know, uh, right? Remember her that? her cell so... number is 888. It is um, so good. It was literally about like a, a woman going to like a fat rehab. And it was, That's and awesome. she got like hooked on like, anyway, a lot of that has to do with drugs. She got hooked on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme I'm to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> that goes 
Ozempic shot on Friday. Uh, oh it's my God, everybody is uh, the the Ozempic face, and I don't know what's happening there. I can't uh, wait. I'm just telling know. you, I can't wait to be I, uh, disgustingly like pulled together. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but the the plastic surgery follows, right? So you got to tighten it. Oh up no, I'm hoping that we black down the back, like it can't. No, that's true. I, I listen. I, I uh, well, that's another. That's a different <laughs> podcast. This is so it. We, we do you have from, do you... like executive to like Ozempic. <laughs> like deathbed movies i love it i love it this is the best podcast ever Um, (laughs) so what do you have a crazy tim burton story that's my question is there any crazy tim burton story you can share with us or was he not really around i will say here's the thing he was around i was not allowed to be around him (laughs) that's weird right when you're working for a celebrity shingle or you know whether it's front of camera behind the camera and you never really see that person like the machine I is going. I really think that like he dealt with Lori, who was my boss, and Lori dealt with me. Like there was definitely, and also like, and this is what I remember. I remember it was like the nineties, like or like mid nineties. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. he's an artist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't want to be around a bunch of like he didn't. I don't know. I never. I remember like seeing him and Lisa Marie. I think at the time, like and like like a, in passing, but like he would play like, they just, that, he just wanted to go style? make movies. He didn't want to be part of the business side. I'm sure. Right? That's what yeah. I understood. But like, again, yeah. I never had a conversation with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, if you're out there, Effie's number is Tim, um, Rob McDaniel and Tim, you guys should get together and make a movie. <laughs> All right, so I want to come back to seats at the table. I want to talk to you about Project Greenlight. Um, you worked on Project Greenlight, the HBO series, uh, and there was some conflict during during one of the seasons around staffing inclusively. Can you talk to us a little bit about what happened and and sort of your take on it? I have to say again, and it remember I think that was like it was a, a wee bit ago. Yes, yes we definitely had. Um, it was, this was where, and it was before the inclusivity and diversity thing came up. And I'm not the only one who was doing this at this time. Yeah. I just think that I hit a moment where like, oh my God, this black girl put herself out on front street. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, I didn't anticipate that. <laughs> but like, I was like, that wasn't their goal. I just made $0 making dear white people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which didn't do, I think, I don't know how many, you know, whatever. Dear, and I was like broke, right? Broke. I should have never made, I think I made like $40,000 over two years making that movie. And like my, it was broke. Yeah. So I did project green light. They're like, we need a producer for this. And I'm like, thank you. And like, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'm like, thank you. HBS. I used to work for them a lot, but I, talking about diversity and inclusion or like staffing. I mean, I do remember, I mean, there was a lot of that, while that was going on of being like, we can be in front of this camera and behind the camera and but there was just I do remember there being one scene where I'm like it matters like I remember being a kid watching movies and still as yeah. an adult I look at the background yeah. I look and see what like what how their world is populated like mm-hmm. what does that look like and I just remember that there was a real concerted effort for the film to be very anglophile let's just okay. say that yeah and i understood because like not every movie has to be like everybody's in it right do you know what i mean but yeah. there's a moment of like okay we're not hiring anybody of color yeah. to have a speaking line in this movie and i bought it up you know what i mean but like but it worked story-wise right like oh, i believe yeah. this family probably wouldn't have blah, 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 you know what i mean but the thing that i wasn't going to have is to have the black people or the people of color be the waiters the drivers yeah. Like, if you're going to keep this a white world, we're going to keep it a real white world. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? You're not going to have us 
show up in ways right. um, because it's going to be like, oh, we that's can't do inclusion. anything else, but yeah. that's not inclusion. And that was yeah. something that I remember doing and I didn't expect it to um, to have the blowback. And actually it was like, I don't even know if it was blowback or to make the sort of like have the, the light shone on it as much as it yeah. did because I was like, you're not going to have the only black person be a driver and dropping off yeah. a thing or being a waiter or a butler. Are you high on a movie that my black ass is a part of? Like, no way. <laughs> it would be different if you had like someone doing something anyway. So that was what I remember. And I also feel like nobody, the only other person who, who fought back with that was another person of color. Yeah. Like, I will say there was no, like everybody else sort of was like, Ooh, like they were like, they, they still were like, Ooh, this seems good. You know what I mean? And sort of, <laughs> Like, where really are my allies? Hmm. Yeah, they didn't want it. Like, no. No, but, and that was like, I mean, like, in Project Greenlight, like, I really, like, I really appreciated going now, again, like, dear, like, dear white people, the further away I get to it, the better it is for yeah. me, where I was like, I'm really happy because, like, I was at, I feel like it was, and feelings aren't facts, but it was at the expense of, like, we were talking about in front of and behind the scenes, inclusion, um, allyship, showing misogyny in the business, like all of that was yeah. really sort of put forward in a docu-series, you know, and then like a couple of years later, people were like, hey, you know what? And being like, girl, we've been there. Like what Effie went through was Tuesday. Like we yeah. normalize it of being like, oh, was that a big deal? That was Tuesday for us. <laughs> to have that conversation where someone's like, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the prostitute should be a black woman, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a very specific choice bias you have there. Buddy. Yeah. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? That sort of thing. It's it's different for like, we are operating in yes. different worlds. And like, yes, it doesn't like I can't be mad at that. Like there couldn't. I mean, like one of the people you know what I mean? Won an Oscar the next year for Green Book. Yeah. Right? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. What can you, you know, you're like, okay. And that's where, you know, you feel like, you know, people who get it, get it. People who don't. Like now, I mean, like, I love Peter Fair. Like, we came back together, you know, again, like, and we had big misunderstanding of like what actually he was told, what I was told. And like, we came back and high five. And this was literally just last year. Like, there was interesting beef yeah. from the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of like, it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You also, you also though have worked a lot in, in television, not just project Greenlight. You did uh, the Fox series star with Lee Daniels and you did, yeah. uh, what was it? Zombies for, for Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I totally dig that. So yeah, I'm doing what, more. What do you mm -hmm. think of like, do you love multi-part? Do you prefer features? Like what, what, what's it like to sort of go back and forth? It's like, you know, this is one of the reasons why, you know, and I know we're, I know we're kind of wrapping up, but like, I want to talk about the producers union because it really talks about producers. And yes. what I also thought was interesting and I love you, Heather, but like you didn't mention us, you said, and other people like, and I was like, Oh my God, like writers, directors, executives. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> like who the fuck are we? Like literally, I'm literally like this. I'm like, Oh, so the people who like fucking take it from seed to finish, like we're well, like, given I spent a majority of my career you know as a mean? producer, what does that say about me? I know, I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. But like, that's why we have this union where we're like, we literally are like, and why our imposter syndrome may be so strong because we <laughs> shit on ourselves, right? Do you know what I mean? So, 
so this is like you know so just going into the reason i know i'm going back to features worth of tv like that's no, why i'm the producer it. part of it all because what's so interesting in film producers like we're i feel like we are like people who produce produce like there's a there's a finite road to go to we have yeah. like you know um meaningful participation and power dynamic you know on a film you know, like the people who actually produce the movie, not the people who are yeah. like, oh, I represent so-and-so or like, hey, I did the, you know, I wrote a T on the thing and I should get something, right? Um, but what's so interesting that I'm learning about television is, and maybe what I would tell people who are younger is that like, you probably need to write because yeah. writer producers, you are fabulous. Yeah, People who produce, who can like actually make like, like, you know, dramaturg, get the story right. together, work with the talent, all of that. I don't feel we're respected in television. Well, and in television, it's often called a non-writing producer. Well, a non-writing EP. Yeah. And that's where I'm at, where I'm like, what the fuck are you trying to pay me? They're like, we're going to take your idea. <laughs> like, I literally just walked away from something where they're like, we love this idea, Epi, and we want to make it in, but we're going to pay you mm, maybe like 25000 or 30,000 wow. an episode. And yeah. I was like, er, like, we're going to pay that. And maybe, but like, and that's it. Like, and that's it. And I'm like, but why would I do that? Like, that's all like for an yeah. episode, like I have no say in it, but everybody else. And it sounds like, Oh my God, it's a lot of money. But I'm like, everybody else is getting paid like a hundred thousand, 200, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm like, and I literally you just get to see of like, Oh, wow we are not and then even being like no you just have to like show up and just help out and i'm like well can i produce it no 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 we're the producers yeah but i'm like but that's what i do like that's i build right. the machine from the ground up and they're like nope absolutely not so like tv i feel that the non-writing ep is useless and then also when you start going into that you don't get paid right yeah. do you know what i mean they're like no yeah. you'll get paid once we make it and sell it but i'm like but the writer is getting you know a wga minimum Right, yeah. that I have to work with them on to get it into shape and then address the notes, but they're getting like a you know what I mean, like a hundred, mm -hmm. two hundred thousand, and like I'm getting and like literally they don't pay you the third that's per episode once it happens. Your right. development fee is zero yep. or twelve thousand dollars. Right. You know what I mean? The dirty so secret like, of show business, right? Development is free. Uh yeah. Development is free. And that's where I'm saying I wish somebody would have told me where I was like, Oh, this is terrible. The thing that I love to watch so much doesn't love me back. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really interesting. Like, okay. What do you what do you think is gonna happen with the writer strike, right? Obviously the WGA and, I think and it's the gonna happen. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. And then, and here's the thing, like for myself, where I'm like, oof, I'm grateful that I'm like, all right, I do have an unscripted. I have a documentary that I'm doing. Um, like I'm good. Yeah. I protect, I've diversified myself. And the fact that I know how to produce from the ground up, like I'm not like a monitor producer, like yeah. my company, we can be like, okay, great. Now people are going to want to have like, these scripts are done. We need to make these movies and we don't have people. And I'm like, we're your people. Let's go. We can That's make great. it happen. That's amazing. Uh, I, I have a couple more questions before we wrap yeah. up. Tell us a little bit about the new Academy Museum. Uh, you were the chair of the Inclusion Committee and continue to serve on it. What is the mission for the museum when it comes to diversity and inclusion? You know what? And I'm so glad you mentioned that. 
I was, I literally, I, that might be an old bio. I was <laughs> the chair of the inclusion committee. Now it's a wonderful woman named Bobby Banks. And so, and the part of the inclusion committee was literally, and I'm super proud of it. I was the head of it for several years That's um, awesome. before the museum opened. And my part of that was literally pulling together they're going to hear a theme, women, people of color, LGBTQ plus, and people. And drugs. Disability. No, that's not part and of it. And lots of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cocaine. No, but um, all of those people to make sure that we were represented in filmmaking and in that museum, yeah. that our yeah. contributions or people from those sort of worlds were, were seen. Um, and that's what we did. So, you know, we, um, and the, um, you know, the museum committee, like, was brilliant. Like, Bill Kramer, he was the head, like, genius. Like, he was so good. And now he's, like, the head of all the academy. Yeah. I was the chair of the inclusion committee. And now I'm just a lovely worker among workers in that committee. So I'm just a well, part of it for the producer's branch. Which I is have great. to thank you and the rest of the committee for the work you did on it. I, I really want to thank you for the work you did there because I think the museum, you know, it's so easy to whitewash history, right? And and to whitewash the uh. history of this industry would be extremely easy. And I think the museum has a, a, a responsibility. And, you know, I think this is obviously part of the mission you guys developed and evolved um, to really tell the story of everybody who worked in this industry and, and, you know, the kinds of stories that did and didn't get told as a function of that, right? I appreciate that. And I have to say, it was really a group effort. We put together, it was, we, we create, I, I, I created it, you know, with the museum. Like it was really, it was really, um, you know, something that I can point to and be like, I saw that there was a need and I was able to gather like Gregory Nava, Kimberly Pierce, you know what I mean? Like Heather Ray, like wonderful people to be like, help us, Bobby Banks. Um, like, to really, so we can start, like we started really small and then we sort of took off because we were able to be nimble and we worked with the, the curators and we worked with all of them and they were, you know, it's so much, it's overwhelming the amount of ephemera and stories yeah. that are, and to make sure yeah. that like, hey, everybody wants to show up to this museum and be reflected in it in a truthful, contextual way. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yep. To be able to say like, oh, this is what happened because, you know, and they with open arms, I'm like, I have to say, I'm so proud of being able to participate, you know, participate in that and having a hand and being like where there was no committee committing the commit, um, you know, being a part of um, making the committee and then having it continue on. Yeah. So they still are keeping it up. So that's great. That's awesome. All right. I have to ask you before we go, your your deathbed films um, which films would you say are your deathbed films to date? Oh, all of them. How dare you try to make me choose for my children? <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? I'm like, all of your like, children are equal. Oh, and like, I love them all. I love them all. Okay. Well then I'm going to ask you a different question. Okay. What film do you wish you had produced that could be your deathbed film Ooh. that you didn't produce? You wish you had. Everything, everywhere, all at once, and not because it won all the awards. Truly, because like fucking loved it. Um, yeah. I also love um, Delicatessen, like Delicatessen, oh, the Janae movie. Brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or City of Lost. Like those are the movies that like I would like murdered to have like you know to have produced them. And I really do feel like this is what I want to do, and I'm looking for it. I'm looking for um, 
I'm looking for something that's a little David Lynchy, a little Tim okay. Burtony. Yeah. That's a little out there, you yeah. know, but with us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. with us. I love like, that. I'm looking for I love something. That. I'm looking for, like, I want to go back to making a fucked up little ditty that um that needs to be seen that but like but literally all my movies if you the the common theme through all of them is that like is belonging and connection like it's everything it's so i'm super textbook it literally is the outsider finding their family right finding whatever their sense of home is and connection i love that shit but i love it to be like really interesting characters and i love and i want someone to take big risks like, I, where's, yeah. like, our big satire? Where's our, like, punk rock film where someone's like, oh, you want to see something twisted? And I'm like, yes! I want to see something <laughs> twisted. I want to be a part of something like that. Yeah, that's what I'd love. Like, that, I'm looking for that. I love that. Well, we have a lot of writers who are listening to this podcast right now. They're uh, actually uh, getting to work for you. They're they're opening their laptops right now. Um, well, I love it. Like, real talk. Like, I'm, I, I really am. There's something out there that's like, the movie that someone's like, I don't know who's going to read this. I'll be like, yeah. we will. We'll read it. You know. Cocaine bear. Um. <laughs> I love it. And as long as there's a lot of drugs in it. Right. <laughs> What um what's what are you watching right now? What's on your what's on your queue? What what are you oh watching god, right you now that you cannot, love? Like this is where they're gonna be like, oh my god, she's like a thirteen year old boy, um, weirdo. <laughs> like literally, like I love like all things sort of sci fi. Like I'm totally into you know I love Outer Range. I love like yeah. that's something that everyone you know needs to be watching. I love the new um like. Also, here's my dirty. This is what you really want to know. My dirty little secret. My di- that's what you want. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. My dirty little secret is is that I am one of the people that ha- um, watches Acorn Channel. Mm-hmm. And Acorn Channel is the little you and my mom. You channel. and my mom. We're gonna get you guys together I, for a, a, a I watch date. Love a little light murder mystery. A tea mystery. I love like it. A I love it. Tea mystery. Like those are the ones that I sort of like relax, like Happy Valley. Like all of those were like. And I love it because what's so interesting is like the women that they have in those are like, they, they're not, they don't, none of them are like black women, but like, but like they're like women of a certain age who are fabulous, <laughs> who are solving murders, who have like real lives, who aren't like fucking supermodels. And I was like, yes, girl. I love those. Yep. So like, those are my, that's my guilty little secret where I'm like, I love a, I love a cozy little thriller murder mystery. I love it. I love it. Well, th- I mean, we got to end there. How can we keep going after that? <laughs> no, um, it's like this. They're like, I really? Mean. You're not watching Powers of People? I'm like, nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> and also, I'll even go one further. And this is my, okay, and this is, then we're going to really end. <laughs> my favorite is I watch those cha- those competition sports shows, like cha- the Challenge, World Challenge, American yeah. Ninja, like the 100 with those gorgeous Koreans on, like, on um, Netflix. <laughs> I love those. You know what I do? And I eat cookies, which is why I need my Olympic. I eat my cookies <laughs> on my couch and watch those shows and think that I can do it. That I love is like, that. That's what I, my reality. Oh, I know the folks who cast Ninja Warrior. So be careful oh because we can, we oh can get God. you a, uh, an audition. If my 200 pound ass could get up on anything. <laughs> I would do it. But I literally sit there and watch it. I'm like, my abs could look like that. Yum, 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 yum. I mean, yum. it is inspirational. <laughs> it really is to take your, your Ozempic shot. Um, Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for sharing the story of your big break with us, Effie. I've known you for many years, and your career and your commitment to telling diverse and inclusive stories is super incredible, and I think um, it's really going to inspire our listeners. So thank you for joining us. I appreciate you. That's it for this episode of Hustle Up's The Big Break. Please join us for future episodes featuring production company CEOs, producers, writers, directors, and more. Our theme music for this episode was composed by Hustle Up member Lewis Robert King. Thank you so much, and let's hustle up. Hustle Up.